0: Welcome to Christ Church. The following is a homily from our Sunday morning gathering in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Enjoy. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Dietrich Bonhoeffer um, was in prison during World War II. He was um, uh, part of the resistance movement in Germany, and uh, he found himself in concentration camp. And Bonhoeffer, in writing about his experience, um, said this about the season of Advent. He said a prison cell is a good analogy for Advent. One waits, hopes, does this or that, ultimately negligible things. The door is locked, he said, and can only be opened from the other side. Advent, um, as much as any time in the church year, is a time uh, for us to acknowledge um, our dependence upon a Savior who is outside of ourselves. It is a time in which we name the fact that our world that is around us is not right in the way that we think that it should be and that we need somebody to save us. It's a time in which we think about the coming judgment of God. It's a time in which we hope for our redemption. It's a time in which we wait. In the, uh, in the olden days, Advent was a season... Um, much like Lent. You went through the period of time and you, you fasted from eating rich foods, you avoided any sort of alcoholic drink, you lived life as simply as possible, much like I'm sure your Advents are today. <laughs> but it was a time in, really, in which to reflect upon our own lives and the way in which we contribute to the world that is around us. On the third Sunday of Advent, when we light a pink candle, um, it stands for the the word rejoice. And it is this reminder that in the midst of our fasting, in the midst of our sadness, in the midst of our hurting for a world that is not yet right, we still have to rejoice. um, And we still have to hope. During um, Advent, we really get some powerful message from the Old Testament um, prophets uh, about both the judgment and deliverance of the world. There's a story that um, an author shares in her book um, about these prophets, and uh, she begins by reflecting upon a a priest in Rwanda. If you remember in the mid-1990s, Rwanda was embroiled in a civil um, war in which um, rival rival tribes were literally uh, masquering. Ma- I'm not saying that word. They they were. Why can't I say that word? Yes, <laughs> each other. I have no clue why I couldn't say it. Uh, but they. Uh, I'm not having a stroke. Um, but they. But they were just. They were killing each other. Um, and, and 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 I mean, and it was brutal. And you go and you read the stories um, of the people who were living. In Rwanda at that time, and it breaks your heart. And you you sit there and you ask yourselves, how could they do this? Because all they were doing was determining who was good and who was bad by the shape of their nose. And if your if your nose was bigger, then you were a part of this tribe. If your nose was narrower, you're a part of this tribe. And then there was this implicit assumption that one was better than the other. And they just sat there and they killed each other and killed each other and killed each other. And this priest who survived this. Massacre was, was asked this question, does, does seeing the violence and the hatred and the meanness cause you to question the existence of God? And the priest says, it does not cause me to question the existence or the goodness of God, but it does cause me to question the goodness of humankind. Now, I sort of have a mixed theology about whether humans are really good or really bad, and I think that if we're honest with each other, it's a little bit um, of both, that I think that God created us in God's very own image, that God blessed us in creation, but oftentimes we choose the things we know that we shouldn't be choosing. We, we do things that harm ourselves and harm um, our neighbors. And the prophets understood what this Rwandan priest knew. That human beings at times can be our very own worst enemy. The prophets, like this French priest, had lost their faith in humankind. They had no hope in the human progress and our ability to sort of pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. They looked out and they didn't, the prophets did not see improvements in people's behavior, no matter how much they preached, pleaded threatened, cajoled, no matter how many times they wept for the sins of the people, still the people of Israel, the people of God, were unresponsive and unrepentant. And the prophets oftentimes found themselves asking questions that we may find ourselves asking from time to time, where is God in all of this? The prophets could not imagine anything that was coming for the people other than the wrath and condemnation and abandonment of God. Because humans tend to think like humans do, in which we think in terms of retribution rather than restoration. We think (coughs) about punishment rather than salvation. Today we heard from the prophet Zephaniah. He's a very short Chapter, a very short book in the Old Testament, about three or four chapters, and the whole book is he spends time talking about what a horrible people Israel is. They ignore the poor. They don't care about the widow, uh, the, the 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 person who who has no power and strength. They don't care about them. All they care about is their own wealth, their own power. Um, they they sit there and they worry about the ritual purity of their, of their religious actions, and, and, and they just don't give a, anything about the world around him. And then, out of nowhere, Zephaniah comes. I mean, after, I mean, this is, you know, after spending all this time talking about what a horrible group of people this are, they are. He says this, sing aloud, O daughter Zion, shout, O Israel, rejoice, exult with all your heart, O daughter Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has turned away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord is in your midst. You shall fear disaster no more. And there is this constant tension for those of us in the religious life about the coming of the judgment of God, which is very real, and also the grace of God, which is as real As well, John the Baptist is preaching a baptism of repentance. He's in the wilderness, and nobody goes out to the wilderness um, except for if they're trying to get lost. But everybody hears about this wild haired guy named John the Baptist. Scripture describes him as sort of wearing some funny looking clothes, and he ate locusts and wild honey, so he had this weird diet. And so people come out, and they, they hear him, and, and he must have been a really a good preacher. <clears throat> and John the Baptist sees all the people coming out to hear him and see him. And he sits there, and he says, you brood of vipers, you snakes. Right? This is not a warm greeting. <laughs> what are you doing out here? And the people who hear that message, what they really are wanting at the bottom of their heart is they're wanting grace, they're wanting forgiveness. All of us, all of us wrestle with something within ourselves that we sit there and we lament. Maybe it is something that we have done in our past. Maybe it is something that we are currently doing. Maybe it is just looking out into the world and saying, why does it seem to be this way? And the people turn to John the Baptist and they ask him, What is it that we are to do? And John says, Stop being a people who hoard your possessions, give freely to others. For those of you who collect taxes, don't collect more than you're supposed to, to just enrich yourselves. Those of you who are in positions of authority, don't abuse your position to enrich yourself. Ultimately, John came to teach them and to tell them that grace is here. Forgiveness has arrived. Invited them to live in a different way of being than a way in which we are simply in competition with each other and trying to see how we can enrich our own selves. And this message of grace is a message that is lost in our own society. We are so addicted to the idea of retribution and punishment that we do not give room to people to change and to grow. The reason we want a judgmental God who will go and smite people is one, is that there are really people who need to be smited. But two, is we believe that God is every bit as close-minded and judgmental and angry as we are. That it is difficult for us to imagine a God who can be harmed and says, I forgive you. A God who, when his son is killed, brings the son back to life. We are not our worst selves. Whatever it is that you have done, that is not you. You are more than your greatest failure. You are more than the sum of your past mistakes. That we follow a God who through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the gift of baptism, and through the nourishment of His body and blood, gives us the ability to change and to grow into the full stature of Christ. And we do it because grace has come among us in Jesus. A military chaplain shared a story about giving last rites to uh, an infantryman um, on uh, the battlefield. And as the man lied dying, he turned and he looked at the priest and he says, Is Jesus and God real? And the priest said, yes. He says the same question that the oldest parishioner at my church asked. And he says the thing that we have to know is not our ability to get it right, but that when we look at the face of Jesus and his ability to forgive, his ability to to look past our failures, right? The woman who who is committing adultery, who the law says should be stoned and killed, he says, all right. You without sin, go on, throw it at her. The one who continuously calls for us to be found like a lost sheep. That that grace-filled God is the face of God. Jesus is not other than God. He is God in human form that has come among us to save us, to deliver us. show us a different way of living than the world shows us. So that when we look upon the world and all of its brokenness and hurt, we know that there is a light that is coming. That redemption is drawing near. Go and be people of the light. Be people of grace. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more, go to ChristChurchTulsa.org And peace be with you. Thank uh-huh. you.